Hi, this is Scott Porch. I write about the TV business, and I'm a podcast producer for Starburns Audio and Himalaya Media. Episode 2 of the final season of Game of Thrones just ended, and I have Westeros Weekly host Philip Molina for a uh, snap reaction. Warning, this discussion will be loaded with spoilers from Episode 2. If you, if you have not watched Sunday night's Game of Thrones, you should hit pause and go watch it right now. Philip? Ghost is back! Yeah, man, that was a real brief reminder that he's definitely still alive. I think it's just a quick, yes, there will be a giant wolf at play in next week's battle. I feel like the deal is that we either get a wolf or a dragon in every episode, and that was just barely covering the uh, covering the deal. Oh, for sure. yeah, that's been the rule since the beginning. You know, I remember there was also uh, the time they did the zombie uh, polar bear, and it was like, well, great, now we're not going to get any dire wolves for like six episodes. I mean, the business part of it, I'm sure, is they've saved some money in these first two episodes because we're going to get just bananas CGI and, and, and battle stuff from this episode through the end. It seems pretty clear that episode three is going to be, you know, mostly battle or all battle. Do you have a sense going forward? Any, any more from this episode, what the back four will be about or, or how they'll be structured? Actually, it's given me a clearer idea. There's one thing that I don't really want to go into just yet because we're writing our script for Monday's episode of Westeros Weekly, and it's a huge theory I've got going about how the rest of the season's going to play out. I think we're all being uh, uh, bamboozled here for a second. I think there's a big misdirect coming. It's something specific, or you just think that there's there's something happening that we may not know about yet? I think uh, both... Something specific that we don't know about yet. I think that uh, there's a reason why this episode ended with a shot of the most white walkers we've actually ever seen. Because those weren't whites at the end. Those were specifically white walkers, which are different, but no sign of the king himself. So does any of this go, and there was a lot of this in the episode with Bran slash the Three-Eyed Raven, I guess explain the theory about the relationship between Bran and the Three-Eyed Raven, or maybe Bran is the Three-Eyed Raven, or how how this may play out next week. Yeah, I mean, there's no maybe about it, right? Bran is now the Three-Eyed Raven. He took over that mantle uh, back when he you know, got rushed into it because the previous Three-Eyed Raven knew he wasn't going to make it out from under that tree. Uh, but Bran... Bran, it's now actually clarifies, Bran is the key to everything. He is the MacGuffin of the series. He represents life itself. So if you erase Bran, that's the only way for the Night King to erase the living. And so do you take from the end of the episode that the Night King is deployed somewhere? He's not with the rest of the White Walkers? I think it's possible. I think there's a couple of, of things that could be going on. Uh, certainly, you know, he might just be uh, getting his right before the big battle, but I think it's a little too easy. It's kind of like in a heist movie where you hear the whole plan of how uh, it's, it should go, and that means, well, then it certainly is not go that way. 
You know, we talked a little bit before we started taping about war tropes, and I, I thought a little bit as I was watching the episode last week and a little more as I was watching this week's episode that it has the show has slipped into conventionality and predictability more than I would have liked uh, coming into this season. And I don't think that's typical of this show. Have you been a little disappointed in the, the first couple of episodes feeling sort of predictable or conventional? Nope. <laughs> Not at all. I, th- I think that I can't uh, I can't access the parts of my brain that get upset, uh, upset with it ever being predictable for me. I spend so much time trying to predict where the show is going that if I if I'm right, I can't, you know, I have no one to blame but myself. Uh, and I think that sometimes, you know, there are tropes that certainly uh, when you see them, you kind of roll your eyes. I think certain tropes are actually uh, because they work, because that's something that uh, we want to see. So for instance, when we're talking about war tropes, so this episode gave us the classic uh, scene the calm before the storm scene right it's it's in every good war movie usually we learn a little bit more about our characters usually there's some uh comedy in that uh, i maybe in uh the dirty then it's the uh, the moments where they they bring in a bunch of prostitutes uh for for the you know former prison house soldiers uh and they all have just like the best night that they can possibly have under the circumstances and I think that the reason why we usually do that is to have a last minute connection of who these people really are side of plot. Just just what are we what are we fighting for in the upcoming battle? What is life like for these people? And I think that this episode had to do that because in Game of Thrones, unlike most war things, it literally is a battle between the living and the dead. So this episode was about showing us what being human is, what being alive is it's why this episode literally gives us a new definition for the concept of death right they spend some time on that they want us to understand that's what's at stake here living human connection that's what the night king wants to end well the execution has been phenomenal i mean the the small moments the broader scenes i thought the thing with tormund and the giant's milk was just roaringly <laughs> funny one of the funniest oh bits the God. show um has ever done but just like well real quick isn't that terrifying though because just like we talked about these tropes isn't it always the comedic relief that eats it the next moment yeah and that I think that it's the it's the predictability, it's the 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 stricture to the tropes, it's the the reunion fatigue that continued over you know into this episode from the previous episode, uh, this episode with with Jamie and Brienne that just feels very very conventional in a, a way that I don't think was a criticism I had ever had of the series previously. I think this says what happens when you know they have very little time to wrap things up and they had people literally across the world from each other. You know, they're just like, you know what? Yes, we will have two episodes of getting everybody in the same place and then you know, shit's going to go down and it's going to go crazy from then on out. Uh, Cersei was not in the episode. The Night King was not in the episode. Uh, I, and I'm sort of in, in my own head, n- not exactly sure 
how next week is going to play out. I mean, is it going to be a, a, a wipeout where the night King, you know, moves forward uh, to Cersei and a few people are left behind to regroup on the other side. Is it going to be a retreat where we sort of back into Cersei at some point? I mean, what, what's going to happen next well, week? Well, so we're definitely going to have finally the battle for Winterfell. It's going to be directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who's by far my favorite director on the series. He did battle of the Bastards. But he also did, uh, I mean, honestly, just look up his episodes and rewatch them. They are the, the most well-orchestrated episodes of the entire series. Uh, so we know that everything's going to go down. But yeah, I think Cersei's going to sit that one out. And I think she's going to be on that half of the season. Uh, I just think it's a little bit more complicated than a end one battle and then pick up another. I think that, you know, they're going to actually uh, come together in some unexpected ways. One uh, area where I think the writing was particularly bright uh, in this episode, particularly in in how it has picked up an arc that has been running for several seasons, is the 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 sort of the rise of the age of uh, uh, of of women uh, in Westeros, and not just that they're in positions of of centrality to the story, but that they're in these positions of, of real agency. Uh, you saw it with Arya, uh, you know, tonight being the, the, the sexual aggressor with Gendry. You saw it with Brienne becoming a knight. You saw it with Daenerys and Sansa being political leaders. And uh, Liana Mormont is this young, very uh, forceful uh, leader. It, 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 are, are you seeing this as the, the sort of the apogee of, 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 of that story, that this is the place where, that, where the writers wanted to talk about that this season? Yeah, well, and and again, with, with Cersei also potentially being, who knows, maybe even the greater villain than, than the Night King. So, yeah, absolutely, this is the age of the rise of women. Uh, but I think that that's actually the, one of the stories of this series. And I think that that is actually going hand in hand with this conflicts that is kind of uh, the sleeper conflict that people aren't realizing until maybe this episode is going to be potentially one of the most dramatic issues. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to bring that up in one second, but my, my point is about to be about the fact that you have your literal conflict in the series, and that's just going to be the living versus the dead, but it's always much more interesting where the side you're on has internal conflicts, and the internal conflict that I, I think that represents this this uh, age of women is actually who has the better claim thrown out. Is it John or is it Daenerys? I think that they actually have attempted to answer that in a few different ways. Uh, in a very literal way, I'll say that, you know, Rhaegar was killed, uh, who who is Jon's uh, father. Uh, he was killed at the Battle of the Trident, uh, but he was never a king, so it's not like Jon is, is a waiting prince. Jon was the son of a prince. Daenerys is the last living child of a king, King Aerys, so many would consider her to have the stronger claim. But also, if you use different rules, it's the son of the crown prince would be ahead of a daughter. Uh, it would have been, you know, Aerys Targaryen to Rhaegar to his firstborn son, which was actually Aegon, who was killed by the mountain uh, as an infant. And then it would go to Jon. Uh, so you could go both ways. The one thing that I think a lot of people don't consider, too, what, everyone I talk to always has, like, the definitive answer. And I think everyone's wrong uh, because they're, they're, it's so much more complicated. It's things like the Viserys actually was handed the, the heir uh, after... After Rhaegar's death, and Viserys uh, passed it over to Daenerys, uh, making her her queen. So, in many ways, it's a very equal claim, despite tradition. And we know how Tormund uh, 
feels about tradition in this episode. I think that's this whole series has been building up to, yeah, you know what? Not only are women badasses, they might be able to rewrite the rules completely and have the stronger claim. Well, and one thing I've wondered over the last week since episode one is why don't they just get married? I mean, if if John now, I mean, John found out in the last episode, Daenerys finds out in this episode, can't they just merge the entire line, you know, by getting married? And I wonder if it's the the sort of the agency of women aspect of the show is the reason the you know that Benioff and Weiss are at least so far not going that direction. Well, it's also the ego of would-be rulers, right? There's only one Iron Throne. Unless they're going to build a replica and they sit through or turn into an Iron Love Seat, I don't think that <laughs> they they can just agree like, fine, we'll we'll trade alternate days on it, and then you get every other Sunday. Like, I think it's it's got to be one before both. There was a lot of closure moments in this episode. You saw it with Grey Worm and Missandei. Uh, you saw it uh, particularly with Brienne uh, becoming a knight. Are, are we going to get a just complete wipeout of character deaths next week? I expected we would get a character death, a surprising one this week, and that didn't happen. And I, it's really set up to, to wipe out a lot of these characters next week. Yeah, so I started, I was tracking the foreshadowing of who who, uh, felt like they were, you know, saying some of their last words in the series. Uh, And then I realized that we were being played with a little bit, unless it's going to be a complete wipeout uh, in next episode. I realized most characters were given a moment of potential foreshadowing of their death. Uh, Tyrion hit it a couple of times over, um, but so did Arya, so did a bunch of characters. The only characters that I noticed that they didn't really give that to, uh, they were kind of, it was kind of obvious to not give it to Jon and Danny, right? They don't want to tip their hand too too much on that. Actually, Sansa, she was not given anything that implies finality. Uh, it seems like she has only only more complication coming. So I would not be surprised if she is totally safe through the next episode. And then I could come to eat these words later, but we'll see. So this coming weekend is going to be, I mean, kind of like a pop culture Super Bowl weekend. You're going to have Avengers Endgame on... Thursday in some places and Friday everywhere and all of that's going to spill over into Saturday and then, uh, uh, you know, the probably the biggest Game of Thrones episode of, of the series to date is going to be Sunday night. It, what is social media going to be like this weekend? What is sort of keeping up with everything going to be like this weekend? I mean, I think it's going to be a new age of mean. There's going to be so many memes about, you know, having to pick between your children or something. Uh but I, I think it's going to be a real interesting, just, this is kind of nerdy, like, but uh, interesting uh, effect on Avengers Endgame to see, you know, this is the, the final, like, this is almost the question that we've all been asking for the last maybe seven years or so. Is TV finally uh bigger and better than movies and we have literally the what I, I think this is literally true the biggest movie of all time is is about to drop uh and it's going to do it on the same weekend as the biggest episode of television maybe of all time uh and we're gonna see which one comes out of the weekend still honestly just uh, this is kind of a specific way to define it but still trending who's gonna be trending higher on the other side of the weekend uh and i think that kind of will be the the big decider of you know who wins movies or you think avengers endgame is going to be bigger than babe 2 pig in the city it sounds like 
No, I mean, I think Babe 2 Picking the City is more than a movie, right? It's, <laughs> you can't compare it to the film, right? That's like a, a political movement. There was so much from that. <laughs> so yeah. what uh, new rock stars this week, you're going to have both of these franchises to deal with. What's your sort of schedule? What are you doing for the YouTube channel and for the podcasts? And uh, We're doing it all, Scott. <laughs> it's, we're going to keep up with us. We're, we're, uh, obviously, we're, we're focusing on these two properties and not much else, but uh, yeah, we're going to follow both of them uh we're really excited actually we have a screening uh of avengers endgame that we're hosting and we're going to do a live uh episode of one of our panel discussion shows uh talking about it right after there actually are tickets still available so if you live in or are around uh, los angeles uh that's going to be the best way to watch avengers endgame a lot of our energy is going to be going toward that but everything else that isn't toward that probably going to be going toward breaking down what happened in this episode, uh, what that song means, the significance of this song that is from the books, but only partially new words were written for it. Uh, We're going to go into what the Night King might be actually up to. Uh, uh, We're kind of smelling maybe there's a trap in store for our characters. Uh, There's a lot of questions to still answer. Um, So we'll have Westeros Weekly coming out on Monday. Uh, We'll have a kind of the episode a few days later, and then we'll probably have one more supplemental piece of content. Uh, And of course, all that comes out here on the podcast before it does on the YouTube channel. All right. Well, it was great to talk to you, and I will talk to you again uh, next Sunday night when we do episode three. All right. Now, remember, fingers crossed, we cannot see ghosts get hurt in the next episode. Right? I'll be surprised if we see Ghost at all in the next episode. No that way! Would be a ghost and two dragons, maybe three dragons in the same episode. It just doesn't seem possible. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, also, uh, so just a tease for our Westeros Weekly episode. Uh, what's up with the crypts? We're going to get into that too. So make sure you listen to that. <laughs>